Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Movie. Meals on Wheels. Or Movies on Wheels. Or Reviews on Wheels. Or, you know, you come up with your own slogan. I don't care. It's too early to argue. <laughs> uh, back with another edition here and finishing out this week with uh, another full moon production. And we are going to talk about uh, Head of the Family from 1996. Now, I can tell you already, just from, well, I just know how my mind works. This is one that I passed on, obviously when it came out, all the way to now. Was even questionable about watching it now because of the artwork right if that artwork doesn't grab you you're kind of like yeah I'm not really interested and uh, surprisingly this one is a lot of fun uh, <laughs> it's a messed up movie I had way more fun enjoying this one than I should have I guess but uh, Head of the Family 1996 it is a horror slash comedy like I said full moon so you kind of know what you're getting there um, directed by Charles Band, which, you know, honestly, may have made this more fun than if somebody else was going to do it. Um, I don't know. Just throwing that out there. So let's talk about this. A man blackmails <laughs> the mutant leader of a cold-blooded family into killing his lover's husband. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. That's what it is. Uh, this is a this is a strange one uh, some things come to mind when I think about this movie and not saying that they're totally related but they just kind of kind of run into each other and what I mean by that is it kind of gives me the feeling of the burbs um, it's not as good as the burbs don't, don't get me wrong here um but it has that feeling because you've got the uh, the weird old neighbors, right? A la Fright Night. You know, it kind of has that, that kind of feel in a way, too. Very, like, Adam's Family. Um, even House of a Thousand Corpses. There, there's elements of all of that that I feel in this movie. And again, I'm not comparing them to any of those movies. I'm just saying it, it just kind of reminds me of those. Uh, just because of that, oh no, it's the creepy neighbors thing, right? Because we've all lived in some sort of neighborhood or something where that house down the road, that's the one you don't hang out at, right? That's where this happened. Those kind of stories, right? So uh, this definitely has that. Uh, let's talk about our cast here. Uh, not a whole lot to go over. Uh, J.W. Para plays uh, Myron, and Myron is the head of the family, which is basically a humongous head on a very small bottle body, but it does have regular human-sized hands and half arms. I, I mean, obviously this is some thrown together, uh, you know, uh, and the great pretenders when I used to do that for schools. If you don't know what that is, I used to do these shows in high schools for high school kids uh, for project graduation. In other words, 
raising money for uh, the class to have a graduation night kind of hangout thing instead of going out and getting blitzed and having a car wreck and dying they would actually go and you know use this money to do kind of a shut-in thing and stay safe together but have a good time and uh, I used to do these shows uh, 12 to 14 a year at local high schools around here and they would come up with cool ideas of what to do in these shows which is it was all lip sync for the most part some people sung for real um, but for the most part it was lip sync or a dance routine or a funny skit and they would do the the little man type dance right which which it's basically you're sticking your your arms and head maybe an upper upper torso through a sheet and had a tabletop that you put your hands on but you put shoes on your feet on, on your hands and then somebody else was behind you and their arms would come out and be your hands and it gave you the illusion of only being two or three feet tall and then you would dance and kick your feet up real high which is not even physically possible because your hands and not your feet anyways this is one of those illusions right that's what the, that's what this wheelchaired myron is a big prosthetic looking head with a human face and uh like i said uh human arms and a, a body that's i don't know about the size of a pack of sugar or a, a bag of sugar uh we got Jacqueline Lavelle in this uh, who is exhibitionist by any means right she's basically naked through the whole movie not complaining one bit but uh, she is not afraid to be naked there's a, obviously and of course she was in you know I think Playboy Penthouse I think she did some erotica stuff right we got Alexandra Quinn who plays Ernestina who is you know uh, a, a smoking a smoking kettle here right she's she's uh i don't know she's the the apple of the eye of everybody in this movie even though she's one of the weirdos of the family um of course she's a i think she was adult you know porn star uh, obviously i hope an adult porn star what other kind of porn star is there i hope we don't have you know well that's that's against the law we won't talk about that uh, but anyways, so you're kind of seeing what we're getting here. We're getting some uh, some sketchy people in this, and and these are your main. These are the ones that, that are brought up first when you look up the cast, right? We got uh, Bob Scott in this, which is C H H or C. Uh, sorry, S C H O T T. Uh, this guy's in. You'll know him as soon as you see him, right? Because he's this big kind of dopey blonde-haired guy. He's kind of a muscle build kind of freak, but at the same time, he's got this kind of dopey look about him, and that's that's what makes him get these roles. Uh, he was in Jim Cotta. He was in uh, Force Five. Uh, what else was he in? That, that's the ones that really stand out to me when I think about him. So uh, that's pretty much it. Well, it does say we have James Earl Jones in here as Wheeler. I'm not exactly sure where he is in the movie. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't remember seeing James Earl Jones. So, <laughs> that's where I'm at on that. So, let's talk about this one. Um, yeah, weird old family. I mean, the movie opens up. 
It shows the house, very very Adams Family kind of looking house. Well, actually, it looks like the house from Texas Chainsaw. It's really what this house looks like. May even be, I don't know. I'm just saying, it's really, really close. And uh, you see like lightning striking, it's showing the house and all that kind of mess. And then all of a sudden you see these three people walk out of it. It's a little bitty skinny dude with sunglasses, this hot blonde chick, and the big dopey blonde-headed dude, right? And they're going into town to get groceries, even though you don't know that yet. But <laughs> there's there's this guy that owns this little diner in town, little scrawny. This is this is obviously supposed to be in the south, and uh, so you got a lot of country slang going on in this movie. Maybe that's why I like this movie. I don't know, but uh, you've got this guy. <laughs> you got this guy that's our main bad guy. Um. And he's kind of like your your local uh, bully, I guess you'd say. When I say he's the bad guy, I mean he's like the local town bully guy, right? He's he comes into this little diner and offers the guy that runs the place, which he kind of runs over all the time, and uh, wanting protection, right? Offer the guy protection or being a partner. And this guy's obviously a guy that doesn't do anything for a living, just bosses other people around and gets into their business. He's a shakedown artist basically more than anything else. And he's married to uh, uh, Loretta. Now, while he's not looking, Loretta goes to the bathroom. And this guy is a a-hole to everybody, right? Even to Loretta. Even though they're married, they're husband and wife. Uh, he talks down to her all the time, calls her chubby and all this stuff. And she's not by any means, right? But he's just being crude. She goes off to the bathroom, but that's not really what she's going to do. She's back there getting it on with the guy that owns the diner, which he's a little scrawny dude compared to this guy, right? But they're falling passionately in love, and, I mean, <laughs> this movie spends so much time with them getting it on. It's, uh, it kind of gets comical after a while, right? And, uh, they come up with this plan we need to get rid of your husband so that way we can be together forever because if not he'll kill me that kind of stuff right well one night they're out doing their business out in his car the 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 guy that owns the restaurant and loretta and when they're driving back they see something strange and what happens is these weirdos that i'm talking about that came into town they they take this piece of fence and draw it across a highway it's got you know, leaves and stuff all over it to make it look like it's a it's an actual wall or even just some forest and an arrow that points for cars to take a detour, which leads them to the house. And what they're doing is they're getting people to come out there and they're kidnapping those people, taking them in the house. And Myron is doing a practice on them. He's trying to find a way to transport his mind into their bodies. So apparently he's super intelligent right we don't know all that yet right but that's that's what the that's what the story is when you get down to the the meat and potatoes of it is uh you got four people living in this house and they're all connected um they can read each other's minds so uh because they're all deformed right to a certain degree but 
they use those weaknesses together to to be powerful. Um, the skinny guy, like I said, was wearing the sunglasses earlier. The reason he wears sunglasses is because he's got these eyes. He's got like Marty Feldman eyes. I mean, they're great, big, huge. He can see from a mile away. He can hear like nobody's business. And uh, the big, the big uh, dumb guy, uh, Otis. Obviously, he's the brute, right? So he can handle any kind of physicality. And then again, uh, the girl of the bunch is uh, Ernestina. I mean, she's there for one reason, one reason only. And again, when you see her, you'll know why. And uh, so that's kind of the setup here. So it's almost like a crime lord, mafia boss, using henchmen, except he's got telekinetic powers where he can, like, read their minds and stuff, and they, they all function together. That's kind of what we're getting here, right? And he's trying to transport his brain into another body so he can, you know, have more physicality. And uh, the guy that owns the restaurant sees what's going on. He sees them kidnapping this guy from Florida that's in a little pickup truck. And uh, so he makes a deal. He goes in and says, hey, I know what you're doing here, and I, you know, in order for me to not call the cops... I need you to do something for me. And he wants them to knock off, you know, this guy that's doing the shakedown, uh, Loretta's husband. So a pretty straightforward story, but it's really fun. Um, again, I, I'm really shocked at how much I had fun with this one. And it's the dialogue. I mean, it's goofy dialogue. They're having fun with it. You can tell they had fun making this movie. Uh, but anyways, things get, go from, you know, bad to worse when uh, Myron, again, the leader of the family, decides he's had enough of this mess and he kidnaps Loretta, or has her kidnapped, and uh, to get our hero to show up. And it's all about this information that he shared with the lawyers. To, that way, if anything happens to him, then the lawyers will call the police and then this, this whole shindig that Myron's got going on will would end so that's that's the story that keeps this thing running right and uh, so he kidnaps uh, Loretta and you know this this guy is super intelligent so everything to him is art or something to that degree and ends up uh, trying to uh, set up a Joan of Arc setup with Loretta. He even has some of his zombies that he's worked on when he was trying to do all this brain surgery stuff. Everybody's got like a lobotomy. He's got a, a basement full of people that are all in a cage that uh, he's tried to, you know, fix up so he could jump into and it's not working. So he just keeps them, right? And he's got a swamp out back that's full of cars where these people have been detoured and he just rolls them off in the swamp or the lake or whatever. And uh, again, uh, it, it's Texas Chainsaw, it's The Burbs, it's a mafia movie, it's redneck, it's fun. Um, I, I don't want to give too much more away because, you know, it, it, it has a pretty, you know, good outtake on the rest of it. Uh, I actually enjoyed this one, folks. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know if it just hit me at the right time. I could probably watch this another time and be like, what is this crap? You know, but at the same time, I don't know. I found this more enjoyable than really anything I've watched this week. And uh, that's Head of the Family. It's on Tubi. 
It's on there for free, so you can check it out. And uh, I, I recommend it. I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5, right? I didn't love it. I didn't really like it, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I gave it a 3. So there you go, folks. That's it for this one. Uh, I say check it out. I think, uh, I think you can have a lot of fun with this one. All right, folks, that's it for this one. We will check you later.